directing all things. Lord, we love you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory. Lord, we are a blessed people. You are a great God. Thank you for telling us the end from the beginning so that we can know that you have all things in control. Lord, by faith we believe this. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. And uh, we didn't get into the scripture itself. I did mostly an overview and pretty much just an overview. Uh, But in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clean as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street, notice that singular of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. I have uh, entitled this message, one of the reasons why I forgot to print it, I was coming up with a title, once I come up with a title, I put it on here, and then I left and didn't print it at all. But it's uh, beyond the cursed in endless day. So there is no night. Now, if you had endless day, like they do pretty much up in some parts of Alaska during some parts of the year, um, it's tough to get a sleep pattern. I remember we were over at the preacher's house. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. And it was, you know, it was bright outside. And we just, you know, weren't even tired. And uh, then you go to bed and you've got to make sure you know you darken that uh that room uh that was an interesting room too wasn't it hon I had to block Judy if she was going in the room because um the bed went like this almost to the floor I didn't want her to you know to squeal when she saw it uh the first night we slept on the bed oh boy did I hurt back hurt and all that. So we finally, each morning, each night, we'd take the, um, take the mattress off, put it on the floor, and each morning we'd put it back, because we were in the church building. We didn't want them to see it. Uh, but it wasn't near as bad as a place in Texas. The cockroaches, oh, they were everywhere. We spent, what, three nights, I think, killing them all. And, what, and, and that's not even bad compared to what happened. <laughs> I don't think I've told them this story. So we're asleep, and um, I'm over here, and the window's here, and Judy's behind me, and all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on, but the, the blinds came crashing down, and I'm backing up on her, and, and, uh, and what? And then, I, uh, I'm probably so tired, I'm silly, I'm telling stories, and then... I saw the hand come through the window, and they had, they had window units, and what they had was coroplast <laughs> that was keeping it around the air conditioner. Coroplast is not very bulletproof. So, fi- so finally, I go, hey, and they took off, and then when you look out there, they had taken the fence and come through the, the uh, chain and just got in. We don't know if they're all over the building now. 
Well, I got nothing. Oh, in fact, my gun is in the next room. And they gave me a gun. That's right. The gun is in the next room that they let me, because we flew. And so I'm like, man. So, uh, no, 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 no. We don't have a gun yet. They're going to give me a gun the next night. And so uh, I remember opening the door, looking down the hallway and coming back in. I mean, you don't know what to do. You, you turn on the light and you go, oh, no, light off, because now you can see in from outside because there are no blinds. This is the life of an evangelist. I want you to know this is just one little story. I remember going to the closet and I forget, I got a big, big pole. I gave Judy like a mop, you know, handle. We went through every, we turned on every light and looked through the whole place. Didn't get much sleep. Laid back down, you know, tried to get some sleep. When, the, when, it, when it got bright and outside, you know, we're like, well, now, you know, you're not going to try to break in again. But they tried to, bro- they tried to break in the, the room next door. Everything we had was in that room next door. It, it was one of those things we moved from one room to the next because the bed was better in the second room. And the other one had bunk beds. So when he tried to steal the air conditioner in the room we had everything in, all of our stuff was on the top bunk, everything, every bit of money, the credit cards, the wallets. I just emptied my pockets and I put them up there. But when he tried to get in, the air conditioner hit the bunk bed. And so he couldn't get in and it stopped him. So he came over to our window and tried to get in that way. So the guy comes back and he says, you know, the, the next, so we go out and we buy all this masking, ta- this, uh, you know, the gray tape. And we tape it all up and and close it all up, and, you know, church that night, and I tell them, hey, yeah, somebody tried to break in, and well, I'll put you in a hotel room. I'm thinking, man, after we killed all those cockroaches, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I said, look, you're, nobody's going to chase us off from this building. I said, you simply give me a gun. And so he gave us a gun, and that was it, and we had another four or five days there. But, you know, just if you want to know what happens when you travel the country, that's why it's so important to me like our room, you know, we have a room in there and then the, the uh, shower's all the way down the hallway. Well, we did that for a missionary. You know, it's like we're going to put you up in the hotel. COVID's here. We got two months in the hotel and he had two more months out there. Listen, it's fine. It was fine for us living in a motorhome. Listen, us living in the motorhome on this property was heaven on earth. People say two years, two years in that motorhome. And, and people see me now and they say, I don't know how you did it. If I live with my husband or I live with my wife that close, I'd kill him. I could never do that. I got COVID and did it. Pretty amazing, really, you know? So anyway, I just, I don't even know how I, 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 <laughs> I have no idea why that story came up. Anybody know? Endless what? Endless day in Alaska. Man, Larry, you're great. Outstanding. I got one person listening. Just kidding, just kidding. Listen, I don't know what I'm going to say tonight because I am on like, you know, I'm tired. And when I get tired, I, uh, it, it'd be like me drinking, I can promise you. So Revelation 22.1, he showed me a pure river of water of life. A pure river of water of life. A similar river is described in the millennial Jerusalem. And I, I'm not going to give you those verses, but look at John chapter 4. Jesus figuratively spoke of this water in John chapter 4, in verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's the water of Jesus. 
Well, here's this pure river of water of life. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I get thirsty, like when I'm, I walked one day without, walk, I'm walking and running, by the way, but I went without a drink. And because and it wasn't that hot, it was really pretty cool, but I got so thirsty because you still get parched. But that water, I like water. I really do. I never drank water as a kid. And then I started drinking water, and now I really can't get enough of it. But in the final vision of Revelation, God presents a captivating image of a pure river of water of life as, a, as clear as crystal. It's coming directly from the throne of God and the Lamb. And the transcendent river finds its uniformity in the prophecies of the Millennial Kingdom described in Ezekiel and in Zechariah. And the joyful reflections found in Psalm 36.8. The river serves as a symbol of divine provision, signifying the eternal satisfaction and spiritual vitality that flows from God's presence. Now I want you to, I just want you to imagine, all right, you're thirsty, you're parched, you're in, you're in the desert, and you're going across, and you just got to have a, a drink of water. One sip of that water would just be the most magnificent thing. Imagine up in heaven you have that pure river of water of life. Water of life. And it's there. Everything about heaven is going to be great. Everything about the new heaven, new earth, everything is just going to be magnificent. I want you to turn to Philippians 4. I was thinking about this. I did, I did get some study in and this was one of them. When I thought about peace, you know the Bible says you are at peace with God. Romans 5.1 I think. When you get saved, you're at peace with God. Until then, you're an enemy of God. Until then, you are, uh, you are at enmity against God until you get saved. Then you're at peace with God, but you don't necessarily have the peace of God. The peace of God comes from Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. I've had that peace. You pray about something and you know it is what God wants you to do. And you get that peace and you can't describe it to anybody. If you've never experienced it, I'm sorry. It, it is something that's available to all of us. And it only comes through letting your request be made known unto God. And then when he gives you that peace, it passeth understanding. It keeps your hearts in mind. I, I don't think I'd be alive right now, even at 65, if it wasn't for that peace that God gives me. And he gives me that peace. And he gives it to me again and again. And it is impossible to describe. When you observe how humanity has twisted the pure concept of, you know, the water of life, I'm going to give a couple of them to you. The water of life usually refers to the strongest alcoholic beverages, such as whiskey from the Scottish, Brandy from the French, both of which are irreverently termed what is believed to be life or spirit. Sweden's Akavit, a caraway-flavored vodka, derives its name from the Latin aqua vita, directly translating to water of life. Why does the devil do that? I'll tell you why he does that. It's all a mockery. You know, I, I just want you to, and I, I can't go very far with this, but I want you to think about um, a toilet. 
What's it called? Anybody? It starts with a J. John. There's an apostle named John. Now, I just, I'm not going to go any further than that, but if you think about things like that, you'd be shocked at what they have done to the names. And, and, and all it is, it's like the three frogs, if you remember them. Three frogs in the Bible come out of the, the, the prophet, the false prophet, the, the, um, the beast, and the Antichrist. Why did Budweiser choose three frogs? Because they're biblical whether they know it or not, and it's a mockery of God. Everything is a mockery of God. They change, they pervert the sacred into the profane, and it just reminds us how far humanity can stray away from the original purity and intent of God's gift, replacing the eternal life-giving with a temporal, unsatisfying, anything they do like that. The vision of the pure river in Revelation is starkly contrasted with the earthly corruptions, and it points us toward God's unadulterated, wholesome, holy presence where true life and eternal joy are found. I, I just, you know, I know we don't preach on heaven very often. I'm preaching on heaven because we're in Revelation chapter 22. Some say, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I've never met anybody like that. But it's okay to be a little heavenly minded. The Bible says, think on these things. Think on those things that are above, where pure and, and, and well, it's right here, Philippians uh, 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what our problem is? We think on a lot of other things. If you think negatively, listen, it isn't, well, I think negatively, it's all going to come crashing down. Not necessarily. You can think neg negatively and win the lottery. I mean, if you buy a ticket, <laughs> you know. But it isn't, well, I'm going to win, therefore I bought a lottery ticket, and now I'm going to win. And, and, and listen, you know how I feel about, you know, the lottery. It's a regressive tax against the poor. It's, it's a terrible thing. It's a joke. You know, what, the, what, what government does to justify it in order to um, tax their people without raising taxes, but they don't, you don't put in the cost of, uh, of the, the families that are destroyed by it and the police that, and, the, and, and those that go into drugs and drinking and alcoholism and everything that comes from that vice. Any vice leads to another vice. And then you take it back to its root. Where did it start? Well, it may have started with gambling. I'm very fortunate. When I was 18 living in the dorm, I played blackjack all the time, and I won all the time. I won thousands of dollars. I would buy the deal, and then they started getting a little, you know, it was 20 bucks here, I'll buy the deal, because they didn't want the deal because you lose a lot of money. But you can't make any money if you don't get the deal. And so I'd take the deal, and I, you know, I, I won thousands and thousands. And, and man, what were they called? The dorm what? When they came in the dorm, they, they were the babysitter? What? Dorm chief. Those poor guys, they were married. I had one guy who was going to fix my car for three years because <laughs> I told him, I said, don't worry about it. You don't owe me any money. I'll fix your car the rest of the time you're here. You know, and, you know, I'm just fortunate. I remember I went to um, Biloxi and, uh, and I watched a guy cheat. He was dealing from the bottom because he picked the cards up. You're not allowed to do that in an in a establishment. And I was trying to, and I could not see how he did that card. 
But I lost and lost and lost and lost. See, I was winning, so they changed dealers. So this guy comes in, he's sweating, he's nervous, he's, he's crackling his voice. The other guy that was sitting next to me left, so it was me, just him and I. I lost eight or ten times in a row. Statistically, it's pretty hard to do. And I was trying to figure him out. I left there and I went, man, I will never go back. And that, that's before I got saved, so God used it. I'm fortunate. Otherwise, man, I would probably have, if I would have kept winning and you know, done the way that it looked like it was going, I'd have those vices. What I'm telling you is, is you got to have peace. you got to be thinking on things that are lovely. There is not a whole lot of lovely in the world if you look around. What's lovely is, is people that are in this church. You see each other, you ought to love one another. You ought to go out of your way to make sure that you, you present that love to one another in a way that it's pure and it's wholesome and it's godly. But think on these things. What we have a tendency to do is think on all the negativity. Listen, just be honest. I mean, you look out there and you go, oh, well, you know, this is rigged or this is bad or that's fine. But if you spend all your time looking for the conspiracy, you're just going to be miserable. You need to look at and go, you know what? I know where there's good, and it's in the Bible. I know where there are people that love the Lord. Here they are. And there's others out there. Don't don't get me wrong. And that's what we need to focus on. So he goes on, and look at chapter 22, verse 2 now. In the midst of the street, and that's what I, I wanted to point out to you again, how many streets are there? It's singular. That's why when we have the songs and it says streets of gold, in our songbook we changed it to street of gold. Because technically that's what the Bible says. There's one street of gold. He says, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. So in the picture, the water goes underneath the tree of life because it's on either side of the river. Now, it could be one that has a root that goes underground, and there could be multiple trees coming up. I I don't know. All I know is that's what it says, which bear twelve manner of fruits, so it's not just an apple tree, orange tree, pear tree, one tree, twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, so it's probably one fruit every month, different kind, all twelve months. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now remember, and I don't know exactly how this works, but in it talks about the nations, the, the, the uh, sheep nations, the goat nations. And, and it talks about the healing of the nations. Those nations are going to go in the millennium. We really don't know exactly how all that's going to transpire. Will people have natural bodies and repopulate forever and ever and ever? We don't know. But we know it talks about this tree, 12 manner fruit, for the healing of the nation. Now, the tree of life, it could represent a specific tree rather than a singular tree or a species of tree, I should say. Notice the trees in the midst of the street on either side of the road. Normally it would indicate more than one tree in number, but it could be one that has roots that go underground, like I said. 12 manner fruits will... Uh, we looked at that in chapter 21, verse 24. The healing of the nations, again, chapter 21, verse 24. So look at verse 3, Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their 
foreheads. No more curse. There was a curse placed upon the earth in Genesis chapter 3. However, in Genesis chapter 9, it states that God promised He would not curse the earth again. Yet the original curse remained intact, and that's what you need to realize. In this text, the curse of Genesis chapter 3 is finally removed forever. The whole cycle is now complete. Everything that was destroyed by the fall is now restored by Jesus Christ. And that's tremendous. Now when it talks about the Lamb, there are seven views of the New Jerusalem, each referencing the Lamb. Let's run those references. So look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. Let me get there. Revelation chapter 21, There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. The bride, the Lamb's wife, he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So that's the first one. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations in them, the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Of the Lamb. So the Lamb is always in view with the New Jerusalem. Verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need... Let me see if this is the next one. It is. Verse 23 is the next one. The city had no need of the sun, either the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, when you're talking about the New Jerusalem. Look at verse 27. And there shall be in no wise, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that fileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Talking about entering in the new Jerusalem. Chapter 22, verse 1. And He showed me the pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then the last one is in verse 3. We just read, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. So the Lamb, there's seven views of the New Jerusalem. Each one referenced the Lamb. <clears throat> that's because it's all about Jesus. And that's why when we looked at that this morning, and you're looking at the Trinity, and people are trying to make Him a created being, you don't bow down to a created being. You just don't. You, you bow down to God. Jesus is God. And you bow down to Him and Him alone. You don't bow down to any mere mortal. So that's why you see the Lamb. Now it says the servants shall serve Him. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. The servants shall serve Him. People have often questioned what man will do in heaven. It's sure from the text that man will certainly not sit around idle. Matthew 4.10, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. We're going to serve the Lord. Now we're going to reign with Him. We're going to rule with Him. We are kings and priests, the Bible says. I mean, it is going to be just absolutely amazing. Do I understand it all? No, I only understand what I'm given. And what I'm given is a beautiful picture. You think about hell. How much are you given about hell? Quite a bit, really. But the one thing that ought to stick with you is that the guy in hell, the rich man, he wanted one drop of water to cool his tongue because he's tormenting that flame. You ought to think about that one picture that you get. But there's so much more you can say. Do you know that he was, he, he was a soul winner? 
send Lazarus back that he may, you know, talk to my five brethren. They, not, they don't come to this place. Soul conscious in hell. Why? Because he's, he, he, he's got a memory. Think about that. A memory for all eternity. Oh, the opportunities I had, how I laughed in somebody's face who told me the gospel. That's why I don't get upset or, or um, take things personal, especially as it contains the gospel, because look, that gospel, you give it, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand about these things. If you take it personal, and listen, it can hurt at the beginning. Don't get me wrong. But after a while, you've got to be so focused on Jesus that when somebody uh, says something, and listen, your heart's got to be right. So the first thing you've got to do is look at your heart and go, why did I say what I said? Was I, what, what, was I you know, trying to shove it down their throat? Was I trying to twist it in? Did they say something? I responded, you're going to go to hell and die and burn forever if you don't get saved. Uh, listen, you're on the wrong turf right there. You look at somebody and you care about their soul and you, you nurture that relationship and you, you plant that seed and you water that seed and you nurture that seed and you watch it blossom. Maybe. You see the fruit. Maybe. But when you get to heaven, you'll get to see that fruit. You can't, if you, if, if you plant the seed and somebody plucks it up, you can't take it personal. You water it and somebody spits in the water, you can't take it personal. You got to put it, and the only reason you'll take it personal is if you, if you get yourself in too focus. I look at everything that happens and I assess it. I go, and listen, I used to worry about it. Now what I do is I, I try to be as close to God as I can. I try to check what I say. I try to say the right thing at the right time. And I do my best. And when I fail, I just say, Lord, you're in control. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say it. Now I may have to go back and apologize. It's okay. But I'm apologizing for what I said I am not necessarily apologizing for what I meant to do. If my heart's right, then I can go to sleep at night. I go to sleep, as I've said many times, most nights, because you know, when I look at it, I, I, just, I, I just do my best to make sure that when I interact with people, then I'm thinking, I'm looking at everybody saying, that person's a soul, that person's a soul. Now, I'll tell you, in Tallahassee, it was difficult. You know, I looked at those people, and, you know, they, they were uh, despisable. Not even a word, probably. I mean, it was like, oh. But you know what they, you know what it is? They're probably lost, seeking attention. They got no attention looking normal. And the only way they get attention is to look like that. And by the way, the whole recording is online, so if you really want to see it, you can experience what Judy experienced. I got her to go with me, and I said, come on, we went in there at 8 o'clock, and they didn't even talk about our bill until 11 o'clock. So we were there three hours with all the other bills, and that was fine. And then at 11 o'clock, we had 111 people that were going to speak on our bill with about 95 of them against us. But you know what? Lord gave me peace. I got up there, perfect peace. I had to cut down what I had to say because with that many people, He gave me one minute. 
you know what it's like to give a preacher one minute? It's pretty tough. I couldn't even sweat my brow. I couldn't even wipe my brow that fast. But actually, I did. I told the first part, and I said, we need to love them. We need to have empathy. We need to care. And I want you to know that. I talk about Chloe Cole, who transitioned at 12 years old, puberty blockers, double mastectomy, the whole shooting match. She's from California. She had she'd gone, she had speaking before Florida. You know what they call, you know what they got up and said after after I got up, the next one got up, or one after? Chloe Cole's a white supremacist. Man. You know, and it's just like poor, poor young lady. Her life is changed. She'll never have children. She'll never have a normal life but at least she's doing something trying to help other people. That's what you do. That's what you do. But they, you know, then I told that, and then at the end, I, you know, then I just jumped down the end. I said, listen, this is a good bill. You need to pass it. You need to vote for it. And you need to make sure that you don't allow the noise or whatever I said to interfere. But it's all on, it's all on uh, the recording. Because um, I really wanted to see when I came back, and they were like, I don't know if, I'm sure you didn't see me wink at him, did you? Because she's just like, I don't know him. Just kidding. They were sitting next to us for a while, and then they just moved away from us. Must have been that spirit. Um, it says they'll have, their name shall be in their foreheads. If you compare that, look at Revelation 7, 3. Their name will be in their foreheads. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. Talking about the 144,000 saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So they delayed things until they, they did that. And then if you look at Revelation 14.1, Revelation 14.1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him in 144,000, having His Father's name written in their foreheads. So, you know, their name shall be in His foreheads. The Father's name will be in their foreheads there in, in Revelation chapter 22. And then, and then again, remember what I said, what does the devil do? He imitates and he uh, counterfeits everything God does. All the way back to, you know, Pharaoh, you know, Moses threw down the rod and it turned into a serpent. And the Pharaoh's magician said, well, we can do that. They threw theirs down. Of course, Moses ate theirs up. But still, they could copycat the miracle. And then you look in here and what do you see? Well, God's servants are, are marked in their foreheads. So what's, what's Satan do? You've got to take a mark in your forehead in your hand or on your forehead in order to buy and sell. And so he's counterfeiting God. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. Revelation 22, verse 5. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 
No night there. Now it says no, no need for a candle. Will there be candles? Could be. It says no need for a candle. I don't know about you ladies, but my wife likes scented candles. So maybe when she gets to heaven, she can just fill up our bathroom with scented candles and they're never going to burn anything. But she doesn't need it for light. And then it says, um, neither the light of the sun. So there's no need, there's, they need no candle and they need neither the light of the sun. Does that mean there'll be no sun? The answer again is no, it, it does not mean that. There can be a sun, it just isn't necessary. Um, but God may do it just because of the beauty of the whole thing. Imagine a sun and you can go there and just frolic around, frolic. You can frolic around. Imagine a moon that reflects the sun and, you know, you just go over to the moon. Go to a star. Go to a planet. And there is a lot of indication the planets will be habitated. Pretty interesting, really. Just imagine what it's going to be like. And and I think it's good. I, I, I think it's good to think on these things because... Even though the Bible doesn't spend a whole lot of time, you know, dealing with it. And by the way, I am closing. I'm not going to go. I have two more pages of notes, but I'm going to um, go ahead and close here because I really want to study some more, um, starting in verse six. Um, but just, just imagine what it's going to be like. It ought to be encouraging to you to know that you will see God, fellowship with God. You're going to see all your loved ones. Everybody. And it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous eternity. You're not going to be bored. You're not going to be up there with a harp, you know, flying from cloud to cloud. It is going to be the most magnificent eternity. And and what's it all about? You'll receive the things done in this body, whether it be good or bad. You're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You'll be rewarded. If you have gold, silver, precious stones, you'll be rewarded. Wood, hay, and stubble will burn up, but you'll still be there. I don't want to just still be there. I want to serve God the rest of my days. I don't want a train wreck. I mean, listen, I've traveled the country on what we call Baptist history tours. And we would study the, we, we would put up monuments, um, you know, half the width of uh, the organ this way and, and up. And it would have the history of those people, even Fanny Crosby, we did one for her, um, John Wycliffe. Um, and, you know, they've got these grand, they're about, um, $8,000 each. And it just tells the story. And so when people go around the country, they learn that, look, there is, a, there is another story to tell that they've been lied to. We were, we were founded as a Christian nation. Doesn't mean they were all Christians, but they all feared God. Benjamin Franklin, whatever his belief was, he said, hey, we opened in prayer and that's how we got where we were. Let's do it again. That is not an atheist. That is not an agnostic. That is a man that understood that prayer changed things. And they were going nowhere with the Continental Convention. And they needed prayer. And that's what he did. Let's all stand together.
always scares me when I talk. I said, I, I said something. I was like, boy, I sure hope I had that fact right. Let's pray. Lord, do thank you for many blessings. God lead and direct in all things. Thank you for the opportunity to get together once again here at Faith. Help us to always be encouraged, look into the Bible, find the truth to keep us out of error, protect us from the devil. Lord, I was listening today and you said that the shield of faith shall uh, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Thank you for that promise. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, the music plays. Thank you.